where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. The truly conservative political world is in awe of Italy's new prime minister, Giorgia Meloni, yearning for the day that we could all have national leaders that are as far right as she is. Or maybe they're just wishing they were bold and courageous Italians. Listen. I get the envy. We're exceedingly rare, like green, white, and red unicorns. Interviews from elitist gargoyles like Anthony Fauci and Rochelle Walensky prove two very wicked and concerning things that we've been saying for two and a half years. People have been gaslit into oblivion, and they knew their lawless mandates were destructive and unnecessary from the very beginning. Finally, Matt and I got to interview Chris Larson, founder and owner of Mattress King, maker of the most comfortable mattresses you will ever sleep on, and the host of The Based Podcast. His brand of spice mixes very well with us here at the Liberty Dispatch. Today, I'm drinking some Defund the CBC roast. Mm, warms my body and my soul. It's September 29th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, and filling in for my ginger in crime is Mike, now in 1080p Tyson, and this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Wherever you watch or listen to our show, please like, subscribe, comment, or leave a five-star review. I, too, am drinking some wonderful resistance coffee, but I'm drinking it from a Beans coffee mug, and I'm drinking an older brew that I've frozen called COVID-1984. We are a part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Make sure to download the FLF Network app on your devices for our show and lots of great content. And also, we're building a great website, guys, libertycoalitioncanada.com. You need to know that we've got all of our initiatives up there. We're compiling documents that we're storing there. So sign up for our email list, donate and support our work, and send comments and questions to info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. When you utilize our website, Debart, it is a pleasure to be with you today back on the dispatch. It's good to have you, Mike. Our first story is brought to you by our good friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. The team at Rocklink doesn't invest your money to satisfy a woke ESG goal or fall in line with the World Economic Forum. They invest in great businesses that will protect and grow your wealth the old fashioned way. Get out of the mainstream money. And give the freedom lovers at Rocklink a call at 905-631-5462 or send them an email, info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. Now, Mike, you're going to set up the first story for us. But before you do, we need to get the mood just right and make sure the background music is in order. And so I'm going to hit play for all of our patriots. I'm not going to stand up because the headphones are connected and the shot is just right. But let's get the music lined up b 
before we get this story set, okay? I so and this, I'm know. already, I'm, I'm already, my eyes are already starting to water. I'm already starting to tear up a little bit. I'm just it's a little. Mm, the, okay, okay. Take it away, Mike. You can do it. How long do we have to endure this Italian pride? Mm. But I have to admit, I love it. So look, the story that we start off today is, of course, coming to us from the Western Standard, and it is a story about Giorgia Maloney. We're so proud of um, the expected-to-be first female prime minister of Italy, you and I kind of crossed uh, hairs on this exchange, uh, on this story. I came across the story on Twitter and I tweeted out, we need more people to understand times like this person. And I said, this is an excellent summary about why a state and especially a globalist state would provo uh, promote evil identity politics. And then Andrew, you tweeted back at me and said, and it's another reason why you want to be Italian. That's right. So. Here we are. We have um, Giorgio Maloney. She's just uh, won the most recent uh, election, and she is just being taken to task for uh, her far right and fascist ideas. And of course, you and I have come to know that far right and fascism simply means people who want to promote the rule of law, to promote uh, individual freedoms and to have individuals go back to their constitutional rights. That's yeah, now far right and fascist are now code word for reasonable and balanced. Just so everybody gets the idea, the reason why they're equating fascism with anybody who would be nationalistic is because they're just trying to make a leap in logic to say, well, I'm concerned about my country and I'm concerned about the historical constitutional rights of my country. And then therefore they're turning – uh, you into, you know, kind of like a mobster dictator uh, that is then anti any other nation, particularly uh, uh, other ethnicities and things like that. So it, it's it's just a, a huge uh, false leap. It means absolutely nothing. And basically uh, what this uh, beautiful woman has done, especially in this speech, I don't know, we don't know much about her beyond this speech, Andrew. Um, she's She's presented for individuals exactly why we've been reduced to a number. And so we're about to watch a clip from this. And Andrew, you want to set that up. So go for it. So they are saying that this woman is Benito Mussolini reincarnate. They are saying that she is promoting all sorts of fascism, that her messaging, even the name of her party. And so what we want to do is we want to show a video of just how terrifying she is. And so you might be expecting you know, a dark scene and, and foot soldiers and all, all sorts of very, and weapons and people being lined up and shot. So let, let's look at why they're so terrified of this woman. and What's so scary about her? That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. 
Perché noi non vogliamo Because essere dei numeri, noi siamo qui per dire che noi non siamo dei numeri, noi difenderemo il valore della persona umana, di ogni singola persona umana, perché ognuno di noi ha un genetico unico e irripetibile. E questo piace a noi, lo difenderemo Dio, la patria, la famiglia, che fanno tanto schifo a qualcuno. Lo faremo per difendere la nostra libertà, perché noi non saremo mai schiavi e semplici consumatori in valia della speculazione finanziaria. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. So everyone who's everyone who's looking at that and who's saying that's so aggressive and that's so angry, clearly they don't know what it's like to grow up in an Italian home because that was relatively low volume, right? Like that wasn't that was that was kind of like a gentle bedtime story being read in order to help you fall asleep. That certainly is not an expression of anger and frustration. That's just make sure you brush your teeth before going to bed. So anyone who gets their hand, everyone who freaks out the wow, she's so angry. She's not really. That's a that's more of a peaceful approach. That's a little bit of a little bit of cultural context behind. But I mean, clearly, Mike, she's I mean, she's Hitler, Mussolini and uh, and and Kim Jong Un all rolled into one with long blonde hair ready to destroy democracy as we know it. Right. That's. That's what we're supposed to take from that, aren't we? You know what? You know, that clip highlights um, where she was going in the speech. But some of the most powerful parts of the speech are here to come where she says uh, – or, or we're just prior to that and I think just after that where she says this is why they're attacking the family. This is why they attack the family identity. And she goes on to say, I can't defend myself as an Italian, define myself as an Italian, a Christian, a woman, or a mother. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number because when I am only a number, I no longer have any identity. And, you know, the reality of it is, is that's what we've seen. Such an impersonal, such, um, um, You know, it, we, they want to classify it as a pragmatic approach, but it's a dehumanizing approach to the pandemic. And we, you know, we're not through it yet. We're we've got a number of stories that uh, we're we're going to be talking about where this stuff is still happening in Canada and still happening around the world. And she's right on. This is what this is the connection between the identity politics, like the you have to attack. You know, you have to get men against women. You have to get. Uh, heterosexuals to not be seen as normative and that everybody is is just against everybody in, 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 in sexuality because the more they get citizens to be dehumanized into numbers and to oppose them and not to actually find traditional identity where I find my identity in my faith and I do I do what Christ tells me to do no matter what the government says Uh, I define myself as a father. I protect my family. These types of things. They want us to get the, us out of these out of these creational categories, so that they can easily manipulate us. That's what I loved about her speech. She really connected the dots appropriately. And what was all? What was the messaging? What was the catechism during COVID? We're all in this together. Stay separate, right? Stay safe together, apart. This idea of erasing an individual with rights, freedoms, and responsibilities to make a choice for their own life and infusing this neo-Marxist idea of groups and classes and categories and you're part of the collective. And what she's doing, why she's so appealing, is because she's awakening something that has been dulled down 
in the last number of years, which is individuals have a unique identity and they're responsible for the actions that they take and they're allowed to make informed decisions and be who they are. They're not just a part of this collective. They're not just a, a, a faceless number in the broader group. And that's exactly what we, what's been thrust upon us. Our prime minister, who would say the opposite of that, our prime minister would say, well, there is no real Canadian identity. We're the, fo we're the first post-nation country, right? Multiculturalism has basically erased the real distinctions. And it's just this melting pot where all the unique colors, the different, doesn't matter. It's all just a big stew of brown with everything all mixed in it together. And our prime minister is the opposite of this. And we cringe at our prime minister who would say, oh, it's just about collective, just about collective identity. So that's why this rings so true. And, you know, we started off in the lead in by saying the truly conservative world is in awe. And they find themselves saying, if only, if only we could find any elected official at any level of government who would say stuff like this, who would say that my identity is not found in the group that I'm a part of. I'm not just a number or a statistic. And so it is refreshing. I'm curious to see how it goes. I know that in her platform, she's very much against the European Union. And so maybe we see Italy make its exit as well from the EU, which, I mean, that would be tremendous. Another country breaking its ties, saying, no, no, we're not going to be a part of your globalist melting pot. We're going to be our own sovereign nation. And so this, these are interesting days to see how this plays out with her. Yeah, this is this is great news for countries like uh, Britain. Uh, I appreciate how uh, David uh, David Creighton um, from um, from our friends over at uh, True North reported on it. He basically said that what you just commented on, Andrew. He talked about how, uh, like the UK and Brexit, uh, Italy doesn't care anymore if the EU approves of their actions because they can't afford to live in this climate changed. Uh, obsessed world economic form led club any longer. I really like the way he words that. Uh, he goes on to say the ship has sailed, and th this is important. And again, that's why they're that's why they're trying to label her a fascist because she has a national vision. And of course, this all gets linked to the criticism of Trump and the the, the true conservatives in the United States. Uh, this is. Um, uh, I haven't quite seen – I guess we're getting accusations about Pierre Polyev, about him being um, uh, a populist and, and that, that, that could be lumped into the same criticism. But they're, they're trying to label them as being so nationalistic that that's problematic, that that's unethical when in reality they're just looking around going, wait a minute. It was fun to be a part of the EU but we're getting nothing out of it. Our people are suffering for it. The policies are ridiculous. And they're turning us into numbers. You know, I, I really appreciated how she said we're not just going to be simple consumers. Um, and she's saying, look, we don't want to like for whether it's just being a whether it's just being a convenient consumer or or what we don't want uh, this participation either as a consumer or just as a program participant. It's it's really refreshing and it's good. And I hope that, you know, again, the UK have done it. Maybe Italy does it. You know, hopefully the midterms in the U.S. will just destroy the uh, the Democrats, and 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 the the government will hear the feedback of the people, and maybe that will help Canadians to go, oh, okay, our socialistic tyrant just might not have the right vision for our nation. We 
you know, we need to think about our own national resources and what we're doing with our country. Uh, so I'm encouraged by this totally. Well, it should be encouraging to us, and I, and hopefully it makes Canadians realize, despite the lie that we've been told, which is that no one like this would ever win. They're far too radical. They're far too polarizing. There's no way they would ever win. No, that's nonsense. I mean, Italy in Europe itself represents a continent that is much more liberal, that is much more collapsed, much more further down the cultural Marxist trail than we are in Canada in many ways. Liberalism corrupted both theological and political liberalism, corrupted Europe long before it came to North America. So if a country like Italy in a continent like Europe can see someone like that win, then maybe we need to stop believing the lie that it won't happen. Maybe when we run candidates, when we support people, the people who say the quiet part out loud that we believe that it's not just a fringe minority, but it's a lot of Canadians who feel that way, maybe they're not just going to get smacked around politically. Maybe they could win. Maybe people like that could win in local politics or provincial politics or even federal politics. Like that's, that's evidence of it's possible. We just don't need radical leftists and pseudo fake conservatives that are really leftists in blue. You can actually have a truly conservative person that stands on values that are about true conservatism and the good parts of classical liberalism, and they can win. And so it's encouraging for us to see that, that if it can happen in Italy, if it can happen in Europe, it could happen here in Canada too. And so we need to work to that end. I want to jump in on that, Andrew. That's a, that's a really strong point, and I have two thoughts that, that flow out of that. The first thought is uh, shameless promotion of um, my open mic with Michael Thiessen when I interviewed Steve Dace. Uh, we talked Trump, DeSantis, Cruz, and Pence, and why worldview matters in politics. Folks, it only has 787 views. Like, I, People need to go list, listen to that. And the reason why they need to listen to that is towards the point that you just make. Um, Dace goes on to say that Trump broke through the wall. Now, with DeSantis's popularity in Florida, that it it's it proves the concept. It, it's it, it's um, it's proof of concept. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, folks should go listen to that. Uh, he 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 talks pretty openly about how we need. Uh, politicians who have really been vetted and tested and not not be this middle of of the the, the you know middle of the pack type of individuals and then, then the second point to that with what you're saying is you know this is really where we need christians like it, christians are some of the most guilty people and in men if i can say we need strong christian men because in many regards i'm thankful for her but my thought is shame on we're, we're like shame on the Christian men who are sitting at home cowardly when not to discredit what she's doing. I'm thankful for what she's doing. But the truth is, it should be men, Christian men who rise up and say, we need to take this mantle. So sorry, well, continue. I, but yeah, well, similar to that concept, the, the, what I was saying is, is it's, it's just the broad Christian voters. It's it's that group of individuals who keep writing down the conservative party. Now, I want to I want to commend a number of Christians. If you look at the previous Ontario election, you know you had New Blue, you had the Ontario Party. We, of course, back to the Ontario Party a little bit more, but you had 
but you had uh, two parties that were fairly similar. People, a lot of people wanted to merge. I still want them to merge. You know, I, I wish that we could bring that together. Um, but the reality of it is, is you know, they took almost five percent of the of the vote in Ontario between the two parties. Um, you look at the PPC in the last uh, in the last federal election, and they they took up to six percent of the vote, uh, or around that around that target. Well, if we know that, you know. The evangelicals make up five to six percent of uh, of Canada. That, then that means that a number of Christians got behind those those liberty minded parties, and I hope that that grows. And yet, there's this greater group that still says, in order to win, we're gonna vote in the the smushes. We're gonna vote in the the rhinos, and we're gonna vote in like. The, the purples and and we've got a not the purples ppc but uh the purples mixed red and blue um the reality is is that we have to motivate that voting base to say look we can do it and we can do it if we're the ones who do it you know not anybody else let's start here and then we can have some great success well, while we're on the informing our audience and getting them thinking rightly about what's going on around them, before we move into our second story, our second story is brought to you by our friends and newest sponsor at Resistance Coffee Company. Resisting tyranny and fighting for freedoms in Canada can be wearying. What we all need is some deliciously brewed fuel for our bodies and minds. This is why you need your beans from Resistance Coffee. Why would you buy coffee from people who hate freedom and the foundations of what make Canada a great country? Let's just be honest here. Starbucks pays their employees to travel out of state to murder their babies. McDonald's won't let unjabbed parents visit their sick kids in Ronald McDonald clown hospitals. That's what I'm calling them. They are literally clown hospitals. Tim Hortons is tracking your movement through their app. I don't know if you knew that, but they are. And they won't let unboosted people attend their woke camps. Spend your money on coffee that not only tastes way better than these Marxist companies, and it does, but also supports and donates to freedom in Canada. Go to resistancecoffee.com LCC today and indulge in liberal tears or maybe some black gold or as I'm having today, a little bit of defund the CBC, which is their medium to light roast, quite delicious, and great for fighting for freedom. Let's just take another sip here. We got, we got to get this on camera. Dude, so look, I am so excited about this new sponsor. I'm so glad mm. to be on the podcast with you today freedom. to talk about it. Mm. Um, these guys at Resistance, Andrew, people who know us, they know that uh, Resistance Coffee has been supporting Liberty Coalition Canada for a year and a half now without asking for anything in return. They're great people. I've been drinking their coffee for the last year. We really want you to help us out and help them out. I'm so proud. I'm so excited to have Resistance Coffee on. So for our second story, we see now that the COVID era appears to be over, depending on who you talk to, it's over, it's on pause, but, but, but we're in a little bit of reprieve, if you will. It's been two and a half years. The legacy media has engaged in a two-plus years long fear and propaganda campaign, and our elitist class and health bureaucrats now have the boldness of saying the quiet part out loud. 
Here's another way of putting it. Having thoroughly gaslit the population, they can admit to things that we knew were true from the beginning, but they flat out lied about it. This comes to us from the CDC. The director of the CDC has acknowledged publicly for the first time that the agency gave false information about its COVID-19 vaccine safety monitoring. And so this comes from the tippy top of the CDC. They're now admitting that, oh, well, we maybe weren't as concerned with safety as we should have been. This is from the Epic Times. Dr. Wachelle Walensky, the agency's director, prime director, fascist, tyrant. I mean, I'm exactly sure of what her title is, but it's something like that. She said in a letter made public on September 12th, that the CDC did not analyze certain types of adverse event reports at all in 2021, despite the agency previously saying it started in February 2021. Huh, interesting. Quote, CDC performed PRR analysis between March 25th, 2022 through July 31st, 2022, Walensky said. The CDC also recently addressed a previous statement made to the Epic Times to clarify PRR were not run between February 26, 2021 to September 30th, 2021. The article continues, Walensky's agency had promised in several documents starting in early 2021 to perform a type of analysis called proportional reporting ratio, that's PRR, on reports submitted to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, which it helps manage. But the agency said in June it did not perform PRRs. It also said that performing them was, quote, outside the agency's purview. Confronted with a contradiction, Dr. John Sue, a CDC official, told the Epoch Times in July that the agency started performing PRRs in February 2021 and continues to do so to date. But just weeks later, the CDC said that Sue was wrong. Quote, CDC performed PRRs from March 25th, 2022 through July 31st, 2022, a spokeswoman told the Epoch Times in August. So let's let's just boil this right down to, to, to a nugget. They lied about actually covering and analyzing adverse reactions to the jab and chronicling and organizing the data to actually see about the safety information. They lied about it, and they're admitting that they lied about it, and no one is in jail yet because now they're bold enough to say, oh, yeah, we lied about it. <laughs> Oopsie. Oh, our bad. Sorry, we lied about it. Sorry you died from a heart attack and three blood clots in your brain. My bad. So that's the quiet part now out loud, now that they feel safe enough to do it. And we're, we're going to see a couple other instances of this as well. But Mike, what, what do you think? I mean, this is what we were saying. We were saying from the very, very beginning, no, 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 they're not actually paying attention. They're fudging the numbers. They're not actually saying what's going on. They're playing fast and loose with the data. It turns out that we, uh, we were right, even though we were censored on social media and called crazy nuts by people. We were right. They did, in fact, lie about what they did. Yeah, I think in this particular incident, the sin is lying. And I, I want to use that word very specific, right? It's just how simple does a lie lead to uh, fraud, lead to um, 
what's the word for when uh, leads for perjury when you, when you're lying uh, on the stand? You know, a simple lie leads to criminal behavior. And um, a, a few things I want to point out, Andrew. What we've been saying from day one is that there's not enough data. They skipped safety protocol, which this is another example of. There, there are actual uh, adverse reactions. You know, there is damage being done. And then specifically in our interviews uh, with uh, the COVID care doctors that we spoke to, we talked about the how the mRNA vaccine actually works in order to have your body produce the spike proteins so that your body attacks its own cells and that that can have long-lasting damage. And if it's in the heart, it leads to myocarditis. Those are the things that we've been saying very specifically. So when we say fudging the numbers and things like that, um, what we reported on was data that they were releasing, but highlighting only certain parts of the data. And we were releasing with doctors who were actually looking at what they what they were actually publicly saying all along. They were looking at that going, wait a minute, they focused on reporting that. They used that statistic to say this, when in reality it says this and it says that they're not watching carefully. And like so the this fact is, that we just found out that 55% of pregnant women in the Pfizer trials experienced miscarriages. We just found that out a couple months ago. That's been buried for a year. They've known about that for a year and they they buried it and said, oh, yeah. And what was it? Seventy five years or something in 50 in 75 years. We'll 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 uncover everything. And now we realize, oh, this is why they wanted to cover it, because they knew that more than half of the women's babies were dying after they received the injection. I want to I'm trying to take a step back from the immediate to help people understand that they've been consistent the whole way through. And when I say that, I mean this. And we're about to see it in the Fauci clip that you've got lined up. They've been consistent the whole way through. We are doing this. We're ignoring constitutions. We are ignoring uh, actual the, the lives of people that that are being affected by not going to work, by not going to church, by not going to support groups. We are doing this and we do not we don't. We don't even know where it's going, but we know that the right course of action is for you to follow us to take this vaccine really, really uh, as fast as you can, as much as you can, because this is the only way to deal with the pandemic. And the reason why I'm trying to peel it back is because they've not, in some respects, they've been telling these little white lies all along, but in other respects, they were telling us that, yeah, it might include little white lies. It might include not getting all the data right. It not, we're, 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 this is a work in progress. But what you need to do is just shut down because the overall vision of how to handle the pandemic, which is total lockdown and total control, that still works. And you're hearing that clear as a bell in Canada when just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, our prime minister, you know, hinted at again, I know you guys have reported on it, I've talked about it, you know, getting an 80 to 90 percent vaccination rate in order to preserve those freedoms we love, he said, you know, so what I'm trying to get at what I'm trying to get at here, Andrew, is that even though it's it's shocking that they're now saying, well, we lied here and and we didn't share this there, 
They've been implying that that's what they're willing to do all along for the sake of the greater good. And that's what socialists do. Socialists say, look, you, you know full well you're, wearing, you're, you're living a lie. You know full well that wearing a mask is about as stupid as you could do anything else. You're putting bacteria back on your face. You're wearing it for eight hours. You breathe in and out. We, we know it's all porous. But just do it anyways because that's the greater good. So it, it's, it's been a snow job from day one and we're hearing about these little lies, but they've been consistent that they're willing to do it because of their belief in their overall program. And they've been disingen – what they've been disin – and here's what we'll see now in, in this Fauci clip because there's no way he would have said this two years ago. Where they've been disingenuous is they've been saying, yeah, we're willing to lock it down. We're willing to shut it down. We're willing to take your freedoms. But where they where they've been withholding disclosure is in, and we know it's going to ruin your life. That's what they haven't said. They haven't said we know it's going to ruin your life. We know it's going to crush your business. We know it's going to really harm your children. We know it's going to give you myocarditis. We know it's going to bring on early early onset menopause. We know it's going to make your menstrual cycle irregular. We know all that. But we're going to do it anyways. So that it's that first part where they haven't disclosed. We know it's going to destroy you. And now they're saying we knew it all along. So now they're saying we knew that it was going to destroy you from the beginning. We didn't tell you that part. We just told you greater good, crush the curve. So here's a, here's a clip from the great high priest Gargoyle himself, Dr. Anthony Fauci. And I might say that in our show... So in our show, there are three Italians that we've highlighted. Okay, there's myself. Obviously, I'm 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 pro myself, right? So I'm I think that I'm a, I'm a I'm a good Italian role model. There's Giorgia Maloney, who, yes, more of her, and then there's this lizard creature, Anthony Fauci. He let no bad him bad, right? We, we in terms of the ethnic Olympics. We, we don't want him, okay? We'll take me, Italy, Italy will draft myself, and Italy will draft Georgia Maloney, but Anthony Fauci, the great high priest lizard king, we, he can go down to the farm team. We don't want him, okay? So let's, he's, we do not approve of him as Italian. So I just want to get that out of the way because he shames us all. But here's, here's the clip of him. And this was just a couple days ago, by the way, in the Atlantic. This wasn't... You know, this is this is fresh, fresh tyranny. Here we go. Of course, when you make recommendations, if the primary goal when you're dealing with a situation where the hospitals were being overrun in New York, intensive care units were being put in hallways, you have to do something that's rather draconian. And sometimes when you do draconian things, it has collateral negative consequences just like when you shut things down even temporarily it does have deleterious consequences on the economy on the school children you know that but you have to make a balance when you're dealing with we know the only way to stop something cold in its tracks is to try and shut things down if you shut things down just for the sake of it that's bad but if you do it with the purpose of being able to regroup so that you can then open up in a more safe way, that's the best way to do it. Okay, I'm just, just three things real quick. 
one <laughs> in our in our just really quick in our in our liberty fact check he gets a million pinocchios number one hospitals were not any more overrun than they normally are they always run at over capacity icus are always over capacity during flu season always period that's a lie number two the fact that he cites new york is a joke because New York had that decommissioned naval ship that was set up as a portable hospital, and it was empty. No one was there, and then they had to take the ship away. So we that's that's went and set up yeah. a whole temporary hospital, empty. The and whole they time. said we don't want you here because you're not you're not pro radical sexual ideology, Samaritans Purse. We don't want you. So that's a lie about the hospitals being overrun. And 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 another thing that I'll say is. Yeah, it's easy to talk about draconian measures when you're the highest paid unelected official in the government bureaucracy and you're making a truckload of money and your book sells a whole lot and all your speaking engagements bank money. Then you see, whenever you make these very, very draconian measures, even though I don't have to wear the mask when I don't want to, and even though I can pull it down during a baseball game, and even though I'm making a whole lot of money and we're crushing your business, we have to do it in order that we can protect the people from the virus. That okay. man is a is a monster. Okay, he's a I monster. Got, I got my three responses. Yeah. I, got, Go. I got my three things too. Number one, uh, I agreed the sighting of New York just just logical fallacy to shut down the entire world for one city. Even if New York was overrun, that's not how you deal with things in Kentucky. That's not how you deal with things in the Toronto area. That's not how you deal with things uh, in in the, you know, in Barrie, Alliston, in Kingston, where you are. Like, you don't make a rule for the whole world based upon one ER. It's it's a complete logical fallacy, even if he was sincere, which neither of us believe that he is sincere. Number two, if you believe that the primary goal – so this is where people have to listen. This is what I've been saying. This is what I was saying about things earlier. They think that the primary goal right now, the primary tool – of of slowing down an ER or 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 uh, you know increasing capacity of an ER or uh, decreasing the amount of people coming into an ER is lockdown. He he said it right there. He said the only way to stop this in its tracks is to lock down, is to shut things down. So there's two things that people need to hear. That means constitutional freedoms thrown out of the of the the realm of reality because of their primary goal. So this is what you have to hear. He's telling the truth in this sense that they started with a primary goal to shut things down and they stuck to that. They standardized it. And whether the evidence was going in their direction or not, that's what they did. And that that means then, leading to the third point, is that they knowingly chose to do draconian uh, rules and draconian rules are simply, you know, small crimes with great consequences. So, so pe you have to hear that because that's not changed. And Andrew, people keep saying we're out of the COVID thing. I've got an example coming right out of uh, Southern Ontario today that we can talk about in a minute, where the the same mantra, vaccinate, like right, Biden just literally said in, in lieu of hurricane season, the first thing you need to do is go get vaccinated. They've got a category four about to hit Florida 
uh, this week. It will have struck land by the time you and I release this video. And he's out there still reading the script, go get vaccinated. You know, when Ron DeSantis and all the guys on the ground in Florida are like, how about you evacuate? Let's, let's evacuate, right? Uh, there's, there's, they, they chose a philosophy and, and they chose a course of action knowing that that violated everybody. And it's just uh, it, it, it's just evil. And that's why you can never give in to socialism because socialism will throw you out as an individual and only replace you as a number that does what you're told for the greater good. Guys, this is the difference. This is a difference between constitutional law. This is the difference between the American Declaration of Independence. The difference is that the, the, these beautiful Western constitutions protected the individual from the government. So the government couldn't do this. And people have forgotten that. That's the beauty of Western law is that it was both the king and the subject sat under the same law. We've gone over this time and time again, but it's so important. That's why you just saw this creep. And that's why we're talking about a real serious socialism, a statism. We are no longer talking about uh, parliamentary uh, uh, parliamentary rule, and we're no longer talking about, you know, a republic. When a bureaucrat can say the primary goal completely trumped all of your secondary rights or all of your inalienable rights, they can do anything they want in the name of whatever they want, even now as you're revealing, Mr. Andrew DiBartolo, that they knew it would hurt you the whole way through. And by the way, we didn't do the research we said we would. And and we knew that it would hurt you. So it so which we knew. So to your point, we know that it's a violation of law, and we know that it is a it is a squashing of freedom and liberty. One, we know that. Two, we know that it's going to destroy your business. Three, we know that it's going to severely harm children in schools, and that's okay because the most important thing is to protect you from a virus that we help create through funding and that isn't really as deadly as we say it is. Like, that's the picture. That's the picture. And we can look back now, and it's clearer than it was. Now, some crazies like us saw the picture rather clearly at the beginning of it. But now, it's much more clear for everyone to see that this has been the picture all along. It's coming for rights and freedoms. It's destroying destroying our country for something that's not as deadly as we say it is. And I mean, we know it's not that deadly because we helped fund it in a lab in China. So, and now that's clear. I, I just want to read something really quick. I, 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 I put this on social media. This was April 7th, 2020. So, I mean, that feels like a whole other existence ago. This is what I wrote April 7th, and it was a it was based on an article that Matt Walsh released of a man who was windsailing alone, and they arrested him. So he was out in the middle of the water alone, windsailing or windsurfing, and they arrested him. And the article was, are we living or are we moving to a police state? So he posted this. So this is what I said April 7th. My biggest concern with this pandemic and the panicked and frenzied response that has ensued is neither the effect of the illness itself or the effect 
that will ha- sorry neither the effect the illness itself will have nor the effect it will have on the economy my biggest concern is the willing relinquishment of rights and the handing over of power to the government power that they will not easily give up and power that they will most certainly use in tyrannical fashion and here's fauci saying well andrew your concerns were correct because that's exactly what we did we used our power in tyrannical fashion we're not going to give it up yeah we knew that it was going to crush you but we did it anyways so you so you, you right we're wise enough to know you've already said this we're wise enough to know that the covid era or at the very least the new norms and the new realities that have been seeded into Canadian culture that are already starting to bloom, those aren't going away, right? We might be able to, this COVID thing might go away eventually, but those real devastating, insidious things aren't going away. But the truth is, even right now, it isn't actually gone yet, even though Arrive Can expires in a couple days, even though it, it's, again, we're in a season of reprieve, but it's not away. So, Tell us a little bit. You you shared this story with us in a chat, um, and you wanted to vet it first before we went public with it because the reality is, for our sarcasm and satire aside, we do believe in a certain amount of excellence and integrity and honesty and professionalism. We do. I mean, it's, the truth is there have been many stories we've held back on. You know, even a number of months ago when the doctors, the Ontario doctors, started dying suddenly— we needed to vet it first. We needed to do our work. And so we want to be excellent. So you know you get good news that's also hilarious and witty and way more entertaining than the woke stuff. So tell us about tell us about your work. Right before getting on this call, you were you were vetting the story. What's what's going on in Aurelia? Okay, so let me share with you a story. Again, this is again this is uh, we're tracking with a real live story on the ground in Aurelia, Ontario, Canada. And the the story on the ground um, came to me privately through a source. And then also it has come up uh, on Twitter. And then there was a newspaper article in response to it. So I want to, it has to do with um, uh, an LTC home in Aurelia called Chaplain Manor. And so this is a long-term care facility in Aurelia. And the story came to me and then it, and then I saw it on Twitter as well. And the story on Twitter goes to this. This is from All In on Twitter. Uh, tweets out reports of an LTC home in Aurelia, Chaplain Manor, that gave residents booster number five on Tuesday. Today, of course, this was on September 22nd, just a few days after that. Today, nine ambulances attended and two died. As per one resident says, they have never seen more than three ambulances in one day. And then the tweet ends with, at CTV Barry News, does anybody care? Now, so, um, if you're looking at the Twitter thread, uh, of course, there is no response from uh, CTV News. There's only people who come on and, and share an update that a few days later, uh, not only were there these ambulances there, but th- there were 33 positive cases now of COVID-19 at the home. So again, going on, and, and this is where the story threads nicely in with our theme so far, Aurelia matters.com, 
in an article written by Dave Dawson, published September 26. The title of the article is No Truth, so, so quote, unquote, No Truth to Rumors of Vaccine-Related Deaths at Aurelia Home. Now, you got to pay attention to the words No Truth. The article reads, Rumors were spreading more quickly than a virus this weekend. It started with a tweet that stated two seniors had died at Aurelia's Chaplain Manor retirement residence just days after residents received the bivalent booster shot. So that's the, one of the Pfizer products. The tweet also noted that nine ambulances had been seen operating in and out of the facility on Thursday. Now, this is, this is where the article makes the typical turn, and this is where the battle for truth still is going on. Quote, there is absolutely no truth to those rumors, said Jackie Payne, the administrator of the home. But listen to this, ready? There's no truth, okay? But listen, this is in the article, in the article titled No Truth. She confirmed that the home hosted a vaccine clinic on Tuesday, September 20th, in which the a bivalent booster was given to those who wanted it, okay? No truth to the tweet. She confirmed that they gave boosters out. Uh, and again, that was the fifth round of boosters. Nobody, she stressed, died after receiving the shot. And while there may have been an ambulance or two at the home in the following days, it was for routine matters such as a broken hip, she said. Payne said rumors such as these serve no purpose and only feed the conspiracy nonsense. Listen to this, though. This is, keep listening. This is the same article that's titled No Truth in the Rumors. There is, however, a COVID outbreak at the facility, confirmed Payne, who said that may have been sparked, sorry, who said that may have sparked the rumors. She stressed that the outbreak is not related to the booster. We have traced the source of the outbreak to an outside agency, said Payne who noted 35 residents and or staff have tested positive of those 22 were showing no symptoms and others uh, mild. She said 90% of the home's 98 residents are fully vaccinated. That means that they're up. This is, this was their fifth booster and have received all five doses. There she goes. She says it right in her own words of the vaccine. So, let me just let me just walk everybody through the details of this, okay? Because the, what I did was I reached out to the private source that had talked to me, uh, a source that um, uh, that was not the same source as as the Twitter account holder, uh, but a source in the area, and this is what I received. So, so again, mu much of this is con confirmed. So no truth. It, it, the the title should have been said. There's some truth. But we're not sure about the others. So first of all, or maybe 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 it was nothing but the truth. Yeah, but exactly. they accent, but they deleted all of the letters except for N O, right? Because nothing starts with N O, so it was nothing but the truth. But oopsie, and then it was no. So maybe maybe it was an honest mistake. Maybe it was an honest mistake, mm -hmm. Andrew. Here's the deal, though, and I want people to really understand this. Okay, so this is coming to us from a resident inside the home who is fearful about being identified because of how you might get treated in the home, right? Because you gotta remember the tweet says, as per a resident. So I've reached out to someone who has a similar contact. 
similar kind of contact. This is coming from a resident in their home. Uh, information as I know it. Prior to last Tuesday, there were virtually no known cases of COVID for the past few months. Point number one, prior to Tuesday, no known, no known cases for months. Point two, Tuesday morning, residents received the fifth shot, of course, confirmed in the tweet and in the article. One resident known to have received the shot became ill at some point afterwards and died by Wednesday. A second death was known to happen after, but unknown vaccine status. So the person who's sharing this information is not trying to conflate anything. They're saying, you know, another person died, but we don't know their vaccine status. One we knew for sure. Thursday, the highest rates of ambulance attended the home that the resident has ever witnessed and counted nine. It would be normal to see three or four on any given day, but this has there's never been this many in these days. And now, Friday, reports of COVID-positive cases emerged and 11 known cases by Saturday, 33 cases. She, right there in the article, admits 35 cases, and this resident goes on to say, um, unsure of the total number. However, uh, by Sunday, almost all residents confined to their rooms. So folks, this is what the gaslighting is, right? So first of all, let's just talk, let's just talk bare bones. Number one, uh, Monday, no one's sick. Tuesday, vaccines come in. Wednesday, people are sick. Even if you had traced a source that some people uh, might have gotten sick from an outside source, there is no science. She doesn't, she doesn't appeal to any scientific reasoning why they are absolutely confident that this COVID outbreak um, is not related to the vaccines, especially because we know that like this, this is not like this is like on the, on, you know, this is known information from the vaccine producers themselves that guess what your body does? It produces a spike protein, which causes symptoms, which would cause you to be positive for COVID-19. This is why when you're fully vaccinated, you have to, you had to go 14 days after your, after your shot, because within that 14 days, you, you were, you know, you became sick or you became a potential of being sick because your body's actually producing the spike proteins. So to say in the, in the middle of that 14 day span, even according to their own medical attestations, is just ridiculous. There's no way that this administrator can say this was not related. They, you can't do that scientifically. And number two, for the Aurelia Matters to say there's absolutely no truth in the rumor, and then to admit that, yep, we verified that people were boosted for their fifth, we verified that there are 35 sick now, um, is just, again, it's just, it's just lying. This is another example of something that they've known all along. And that's, that's the theme in, in, in these stories here, is that they told us one thing, but they knew something else from the beginning. So from the beginning, they knew that lockdowns and mandates would devastate the economy, destroy school stuff, businesses. They knew that, but they did it anyways, and they didn't tell us. They knew about the adverse reactions. They knew about the safety data. Uh, but they didn't tell us and they went anyways, knowing that was the case. And so here's another example that we, we know now what they've known for a while, that this mRNA technology and the putting of the spike protein and forcing the body to reproduce the spike protein on your own cells 
we know now without a doubt just increases the likelihood of you getting COVID. So the, the, the studies, Matt and I have talked about studies that have come out of the UK and that have been covered in the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet that show without a doubt that after a third and fourth shot, that the likelihood of you getting COVID and getting it more severely are greater than an unvaccinated person is who hasn't had any of that juice put in them. So now that the quiet part's out loud, but the reality is people have been blowing this whistle from the beginning. People have been saying from the beginning, you cannot introduce this kind of medicine, this kind of therapy, this kind of injection in the middle of the pandemic, the way that you are, it's going to have some serious consequences. And one of the consequences is, is it actually going to make you sicker? Will it not only weaken your immune system, but make you more prone and more susceptible to getting the virus itself? So again, another example, they've known it from the beginning. They didn't say it from the beginning. But now that we're two and a half years in, now they can send, I mean, they're still lying in Aurelia, but the truth is the tippy top levels of the elitists are now saying, oh yeah, now a little more mainstream that if you get the jab, if you get the booster, you're going to get COVID greater than and someone else. Then this highlights the importance of why we exist and why it is that Canadians need to know about us and why they need to connect with sources like us. Because we are going to bring you the full breadth of information and we're not going to, we're not going to cover, we're not going to not say the quiet part out loud. We're going to shine a big light on this and say, don't let them get away with it. You cannot let them get away with it. You cannot let them say now, oh, we knew it was going to destroy your life. And then Canadians go, oh, well, I mean, they knew all along, but they let no, no, oh, well, no, 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 no. You need to understand what's actually going on. You have to understand that they made a hard and fast move for our freedoms in a lawless manner. They knew that they would be destructive consequences and they did it anyway. So people need to do a little bit of a repentance and say, hey, I, uh, I didn't see it or I, I, I kind of supported what they did because I thought it'd be worth it because I thought they were being honest and sincere, but it turns out they knew it was going to ruin me all along. This is... This is also just another example of how all of that gets pushed down to some local administrator who is now forcing, I'm going to say forcing, you know, she used the words, people who want to get vaccinated, who wanted, you know, I checked in with the resident and I, you know, I said, why, why would you even get the fifth? And he said, I, I didn't feel like I had a choice. So the reality is that all of that gets pushed down to some local Karen who, uh, for the sake of her own job, for the sake of her own perspective, for the sake of maybe, you know, being told by the owners of the, of the, you know, chain of, uh, long-term care facilities, all of a sudden it gets pushed very far away. It gets very far away from this high official analytical scientific, it gets pushed down to, common folk who just say well we did it and that's what we're doing and 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 there's not nothing to look nothing to see here when again if you or i were to sit down with that local administrator and and say hey uh, give us your scientific evidence that absolutely you can verify that after being shot with a drug that changes your body again you know we watch 
We watch uh, television with our kids and every drug commercial that comes on gives you all the warnings. The reason why you take drugs is so that they do something to your body. So tell me the scientific way you evaluated that these things that were injected into their bodies had no effect. And then you're left with two problems again. Well, number one, if this is the fifth and they're all sick, where in the world were the first four? And again, the re the truth is, Andrew, the more you get injected, the more your body is self-creating you know, uh, spike proteins and still attacking itself. And the more your body attacks itself time and time again, the consequences are negative. We've seen that. But their answer, they don't have an answer. So, so you were scared that they were going to get it again. You gave them the fifth after you not having any confidence in the first four. Then you get to the actual premise of the issue. Oh, it had no effect at all. Okay. Well then it's not effective because according to their, in, in order, according to the big pharma itself, you know, it's, it, it can create mild symptoms in order for your body to, you know, to act like a, the way a vaccine would normally act, get you a little bit sick. So you can get a lot of, a lot sick. So it's absurd on its face and it gets pushed down to some, like a, a local administrator of a, of a hospital is not a scientist, nor a doctor, nor a personal doctor. It's all done by code, number, general, and the individual is ignored. And they're ignored for the, for, for the sake of the system that keeps getting pushed up, but never has to be accountable. Because look who is being interviewed here. You, you, don't, have, you don't have the, um, the Simcoe Health Muskoka um, Health Unit being interviewed here. You've got a local administrator at a... At, a, at an old age home that is no more a doctor uh, in the sense of you or I are a doctor, probably someone who just does their job and, and is now trying to answer tough questions. And this, this circles back all the way to our first story, that this is the consequence of a worldview that sees people merely as numbers and statistics and a part of collective wholes and not as individuals with rights and freedoms and responsibilities and dignity and value and worth. This is what you're left with. You're left with systems and practices that, that care nothing for the individual person, but merely about what's best for the collective. And you know, Mike, when I think about medical tyranny and mandates and the squashing of freedoms, I can't help but think about our friends over at Red Balloon I know that 2020 and 2021 feel like a lifetime ago, and they do. It feels like we were totally different people in a different world back then. But I remember businesses forcing their employees to muzzle their faces or businesses firing people unless they could prove that they'd put an experimental jab in them. Whatever happened to workplaces being about hard work, integrity, and respecting our rights and freedoms? That's why you need to connect with Red Balloon today. If you're a Canadian business that wants solid employees who don't care about having a woke, statist, ESG-friendly workplace, then sign up at redballoon.work/lcc to post jobs for great employees. If you're looking for a workplace that will respect your rights, freedoms, and conscience, sign up at redballoon.work/lcc to find great employers. Let's make Canadian businesses cancel-proof. And let's build a solid economy together at redballoon.work slash LCC. 
the last thing we want to cover today and really we're just moving into an interview that Matt and I were able to do with Chris Larson I mentioned earlier he's a friend from South Dakota who was kind enough to put me up for a day when I was traveling to Idaho and who actually came to my rescue when my car broke down and picked me up and brought me to the airport he's a he's a, he's a brother he's a friend uh, he's an ally in this culture war and so let's show that interview now that Matt and I were were able to do with Chris Larson It is our privilege to have with us on the dispatch, Chris Larson. Chris Larson is a 28-year small business owner, and he makes the most comfortable mattresses I have ever been on. Fact, period. <laughs> and probably the most comfortable mattresses in the world, in yeah. part because the materials he gets are from Italy. And I can I can say that things are made strong and durable and highly functional in Italy. He's a builder and a retail veteran. He and his wife, Margot have been married for 32 years. They have three children. She's wonderful. By the way, Chris, it was great to meet you guys. He is a once sinner having been regenerated by God. He is based on the word of God, and he is highly skeptical of politicians. He made it a point to call that out, and we agree with him. He's also the co-host of the Based Pod podcast, and uh, it might be just as spicy as the Liberty Dispatches. So, Chris, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the Liberty Dispatches. Great to have you with us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome. You're among friends here, Chris. Um, so, Chris, uh, you know, not only a, a business owner, uh, but you have a podcast, as, men as Andrew mentioned, called The Base Podcast. How and why did that come about? Uh, well, it's, tell us a little bit of the origin story there. Well, I, I felt, and I really felt like God wanted me to do it, and I don't know why. And I don't know for how long. Um, I just know that, you know, I have a friend named Jeff Gould. I've known him for a long time, and he's a little bit older than me, but we're both, you know, seasoned. And he's got a little bit different life perspective than I do. I've been kind of, I'm kind of built like a fighter. I've been a small business owner for a long time, and, and he was a... Uh, he was in the funeral business for over 20 years. He did over 500 eulogies. And so he's got a little bit different perspective and he's heard, you know, thousands of stories that he likes to share. We, you know, he's known as America's storyteller. And so we kind of came together last year and it, I really tie it to about a year ago when I started to realize that the church we were going to just wasn't getting it done. And, and I hadn't been hearing like, the reality, the truth, the hard truth from my pastors uh, for a long time. And church was becoming more like, um, you know, a, a self-help clinic or a health club, you know, where you go to kind of feel better one day of the week, maybe get tuned up and then go out in the world and just try to figure it out. And so uh, we started searching for a different church to go to. And part of the process was I felt like uh, Jeff and I needed to use this podcast to address some of the issues, the Monday through Saturday issues we call, where they're, we ask the question, what are you based on? So we ask it of ourselves, and it's more of a, we're trying to encourage Christian men particularly to, you know, live their life based on the Bible, which is, you know, harder and harder to do in this world. And especially if you don't have a pastor that's kind of telling you how to do that. Right. They just 
it, it's like they don't tie in what happened in the Old Testament and the New Testament to real world events today. And we've got very unique, you know, challenges that that people didn't have 2000 years ago and, and aren't specifically addressed in the Bible, but they require a, an expert who's fearless, you know, and that's that's what I've been attracted to in the last years is people who are fearless to speak the word of God and to address it in specifically, you know, the issues that we're dealing with today, which we'll probably get into. So that's a little bit about our, you know, what we've been doing. So, so, I mean, the, obviously you, and, and we talked about this, that individuals need to be based in the word of God. They need to be based in truth. They need to have Christ as the foundation. And that this is something that isn't just about Sunday, but this, as you said, is the Monday to Saturday. And so, as a Christian business owner, what is it that other Christian business owners and entrepreneurs should keep in mind as the key principles for running their businesses, right? So we're thinking, I want to be not just a, a good business owner, but a, a good Christian business owner. And so if I'm going to be based in the Word of God, what are some of the, the foundational things that you would say, you need to keep this in mind, you need to operate this way, this needs to be a foundation for you as someone who's running, operating, starting a business? Yeah, it's a good question. So one of the key things that I recommend to anybody is before you start a business, you need to ask the question, why are you starting it? Is there a need in the marketplace? Is there is there a need for your business? Or are you just starting it to have a job or to be independent or have more free time, or, you know, to get the things that, that seem fun or give you more power over your, your schedule? But, uh, owning a business can do that. But that shouldn't, so you should have number one motivation should be, are you serving a need to people? Cause we all serve somebody, but when you start a business, you become a servant to like everybody and you still have to serve your family too. So it's going to twist you in a lot of different, you're going to get pulled in a lot of different directions. And before you start a business, it's, you're going to have to neglect your family in most, in most cases. And so you got to be ready for that. You got to have a wife on board that, or a husband that's going to support you in what you're doing. You know, you need to have a mate that's going to support you. But the first thing is, is it's not just a money-making deal. You have to serve a need and it has to be about that serving the customer. And then the next thing would be part of your operating system. Like how are you going to operate? And this is one of the things that I never really heard any pastors talking about until I heard Doug Wilson mention it in a sermon once. He said to business owners, don't lie in business. Don't do what's expedient because, you know, people, humans, we have a tendency to lie, to get ahead, to to make the easy decision. And in my industry in particular, lying is is ingrained. It's it's part of the operating system of almost every mattress retailer and um, the manufacturers too. They 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 basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they lie in the bed they made. But it, I realized early on in my industry that I was going to be up against, because I'm competitive and I think it helps to, if you're going to be in business, especially if you're competing for uh, in a retail setting where you're trying to show that your product or service is as good or better than your competitors, it helps to be competitive, right? I mean, and I, you got to be real. Like you, if you're competitive, you want all the business. Like, it makes me sad to see a, a mattress in some, the back of somebody's pickup truck that's not one of ours. 
It makes me sad. I think all of them should be comfort. I think the whole world should sleep on a comfort king. So that's just kind of, you know, where I've always felt, but what I've evolved to what I've gotten better at over the years is actually, I, I look at, and this may sound cheesy, but it's, it's actually true. It's, I look at people, anyone that walks in my door, whether they're shopping for a mattress or they have a mattress from us already and they've got an issue, I look at them as the same. They're equal. You don't have this category of people I can make money off of and these, this other category of people that are, you know, complaining. I don't separate them. They're all one and they're all just people that need help. And that's really freed me up and to, it kind of takes the pressure off, you know, it's like, I, I really do just want to help people uh, sleep better as much as I can. And, and so that's one thing I'd recommend too, if you're going to be in business is just have a heart for it and realize that if you, if you have that approach of just trying to help people and doing it the right way, yeah, God will bless your business and you don't need to worry about everything. You know, you don't need to worry about, are you going to, you're going to make that rent this, this month and cover all your overhead. It strikes me in just your answer to that question that so much of what we tell kids who are growing up in, in going through the school process, so much of the posture that our, our schooling system takes towards children is what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? But you're saying almost fundamental to being an entrepreneur is asking the different question, which is, what do people want? How can I serve others? And that is, you know, at the heart of, um, you know, kind of biblical Christian servant leadership. It's not putting you and your needs first, but it's, 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 it's understanding market trends. It's understanding needs within uh, the marketplace and then addressing those needs so you can serve others um, effectively. And it's, and it's that mindset that I think is really so, so very important for us to understand. And, you know, beautifully enough, the way that economics actually works is you can profit greatly from serving others. So that, that, that that's a great uh, way of looking, um, looking at things. Now, so we talk, Chris, about servant leadership. We talk about having that mentality of wanting to serve, but you also talked about you being built like a warrior, you being a strong man. How do we hold those two things together? You know, because in one sense, we're seeing a problem with um, a soft, effeminate church. Um, in one sense, we have a picture in our modern area of Jesus being a very effeminate man, almost having, you know, the body of a man, but the heart of a woman type thing. Um, <laughs> how, how, do, how do we... Come, like, how do we take a better biblical um, lens to this situation where we can have men who are strong, uh, you know, fighters, warriors, but who have a soft, malleable, tender heart? Maybe you could talk a little bit about the need for those two things within the church and how we kind of go about addressing that problem. Yeah, so that I've been reading a lot about that and, um, uh sure you guys know the the book um it's good to be a man you're familiar with that book mm -hmm. michael foster yeah, michael foster yeah mm -hmm. and uh obviously doug wilson's written a lot about that like doug wilson made an analogy one time about how a man needs to be like a house 
And that inside the inside of your house, the inside walls have sheetrock and paint and they're, they're not built, they're built to, um, comfort a family, right? But the outside of the house is built to withstand the storms. And so it's a, you know, the, the idea of being hard on the outside and soft on the inside. So outward facing, when you're facing the world, you got to be hard. And then when you face your family, you got to be soft. So I think that just that simple understanding of what it means to be a man is important. It's not about, you know, having no emotion or just being hard all the time. It's you got to know when to be hard, you know. And so that it, that the hardest part for me, like I made a lot of mistakes in the first, you know, 10, 15 years of being in business. And in some ways, I wonder, could there have been any other way, like to be obsessed with it? You almost have to be. But if I could go back, you know, I would try to let let loose on that grip a little bit and not bring it home. That's the hardest part when you when you run a business is the stresses of it never leave your brain. And so it's really hard to, you know, leave it because when you come home, like my wife could always tell my face, you know, if something's going on, she still can. But it used to be every day I'd come home from work when I was working six to seven days a week. You know, she could, she could tell right away, was I angry or was I frustrated or was I depressed or was it just, you know, relaxed? And so unfortunately, you know, that can, that's what can get out of balance in, uh, with running a business. But as far as what it takes to be a man today, we don't have, I mean, if you're not a Christian, you have the manosphere and they'll, they'll, you can follow a lot of men there. I'm sure you've been hearing, hearing about this Andrew Tate that just got canceled. My 22 year old son was telling me about him and he's just kind of a, a little bit of a ridiculous figure. But what you're seeing is the masculinity movement is coming back and you're going to have some people like that that are kind of go overboard. And obviously if they're not based on the Bible, they're going to, they're not going to include the, the Jesus part of being soft on the inside and, and serving and washing of feet. And they, you know, if they do, it's just going to be something they came up with, but that's not really part of their operating system. And so I think, you know, Jesus is the perfect man. He's the only man that, that we should look up to. And, but yeah, to whitewash him or to woman wash him, I guess. And to the idea that, that it's, st- and by the way, it starts with raising boys. You can't tell them because the public schools in America, they, they don't really like boys a lot. And so they, they treat them like defective girls because, as you know, young, younger boys can't sit still in class. They're not really great students. A lot of times they want to rough house and monkey around and, and fart and stuff. And so it, they get treated. And then, you know, there's all kinds of expressions where they're telling boys they're bad or they're defective or they're broken and from like when I was a kid in the seventies, you know, we didn't know what bullying was. Like we didn't really have a word for that. It was something that was extreme. If somebody was getting bullied, you never really heard about it. Kids being mean to each other, boys. Being, yeah, that happened all the time. It was kind of social training. And uh, we didn't have like one kid getting bullied necessarily all the time. But we would train each other. We'd kind of, you know, to, to so you weren't soft. We'd actually have limitations on what we could say to each other. Because if you said to a, a, another boy something that was outside the bounds, you know, there was a line you didn't cross. And back then, if you crossed it, you, there would be, you'd be fighting, you know, we'd meet you after school 
right? That doesn't happen these days. You know that if you have boys in school, they never actually fight, which is kind of sad because boys should scuffle at least once in their life, you know, because it's usually not that serious anyway. It's usually some shovings, but it it's a point where boys understand and it, there's a line you don't cross with men, right? I learned this when I graduated high school. I went into the construction industry. And I got shown that pretty quickly by dealing with serious, hard men that you didn't mess with them. You didn't joke around with men that you don't know. There's a limit to what you can say. But if you go on social media today, there's no limit. The guys come after me and have gotten into the most like feminine, over-the-top arguments. They're like college professors. And I, I said to this one guy, I said, you need to watch your mouth, how you're talking to me. I said, because... You would never talk this way. You'd never go up to a tradesman, you know, on the street who's on the construction site, for example, who was, who believed the same way I did, who was a Bible believer and who was traditional values. And you would never go talk to him that way because he'd, he'd get his butt whooped. So, you know, we need to bring butt whooping back, I think. He probably, that, that guy was probably sitting in his office with an essential oils mist thing, right? Probably some lavender essential oils being yeah. evaporated into the room. Very comfortable. And he was wearing his, uh, his, his hippie jacket with the elbow patches. And he was probably wearing dress shoes with no socks. Apparently that's a thing that's hip to do. But a to- total Capri coward pants. Twitter warrior that would never, yeah. And not to disparage college professors. I, I know a lot. They're great. But just the ca- that to me sounds like the caricature of the dweeby college professor that puts on a bravado until he encounters a real man. And then he realizes he's a, he's a wet noodle. That's what that sounds like to me. Just a wet noodle man. Well, I just, and those men, those men are in the churches too. Yeah. So I'm a, I have no problem saying that uh, the gospel coalition is full of those kinds of men that are ferocious online, but yet they won't actually have a serious man to man conversation with you. Because you realize that they have no spine, and the moment you flex just a little bit of real masculinity, they fold over. And it's rather pathetic, but the world is full of it in well, all all spheres, all industries. So one thing I like mm-hmm. to promote is is the world needs more builders. Or I was saying that we need builders, not baristas. And I had a couple of 18-year-olds on my show the other day, and we were talking about the Zoomer generation, which is what they are, Gen, Gen Z. And... And we break it down by generations because different generations have different challenges to deal with. And this generation has probably the most unique challenges of ever in the history of mankind. And it's one of its masculinity or manhood. And if, if you're not based on the Bible, you know, you can easily get sucked into the feminine, feminine world, you know, where it's confusion, it's gender confusion and just lopping off their sexual organs and, just some of the barbarism that's going on. And, you know, as an employer, and I have a, uh, I'm part owner of a construction business in Florida too. I was just talking to my partner this morning and the, the problems getting help and having them show up, it, that's the pandemic is what we got. in at least in America is we, we can't find workers. We can't find young men to do the work. And part of the problem is when they poll uh, Zoomers, especially like boys ask them, what do you want to be? And one in four, one in four want to be influencers when they grow up. Well, this, you know, kids are dumb. That's one of my sayings. Kids are dumb. It's just that very simple and they don't need to be influencing anybody. I'm going to, I think I'm going to 
I'm going to put it on a shirt. We need to say it more. I don't like, we know it as adults. When, when's the last time you went and asked a 10 year old, you know, uh, if you should get your oil changed or, you know, how to balance your checkbook or if you should make this purchase or how do you deal with this dilemma, this, or, you know, explain a Bible verse to you. We don't ask kids for advice, but if they've been brainwashed through all the Disney shows and whatever that they're wise and that us adults are stupid. And so that it, it's a cutoff. So we can't pass on the wisdom and knowledge of your forefathers to the young. So that's another problem that's going on in the world is the worship of the youth, which is, is not real. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's, there's two realities going on. It seems to me, and this is true in business too. Like in my business, it's a big business, but it's fairly small. We only have a couple of trade magazines and there's the propaganda world. And then there's the real world. And I make the difference of, for example, in the business magazine, I get the last issue they had was about diversity. So they're totally sold out on the DEI, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, you know, wokeism. And then there's the reality, which is what I'm on the sharp end of the stick. So not only do we manufacture, but we sell directly to the consumer. So I know what the consumer wants when they're looking for a mattress. They don't care about any of that sustainability or any of that stuff. They don't. They, if they did, they would ask me, right? If they never ask, are, are your mattresses made with sustainable materials? Or do you have enough diversity in your company? Or are you paying your employees enough? If they never, ever, ever ask that question, do they really care about it? The answer is no, they don't. They care about it's that capitalism. You know, capitalism is the free exchange of goods and services. And so that's what it is. I don't know. I don't force anybody. I'm not like the government. I don't make them come in and buy a bed. They have a need. They come in and we, you know, we give them our pitch, our do the best we can to earn their business. And they make a free choice. Every single one of them makes a free choice. And they don't care about the things that, you know, the propaganda says that they care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting, Chris, because you like in what you're talking about, you're talking about like the fact that we've deferred to the younger people among us to be the voice of the the new revolution, which, you know, rings of Maoist, Maoism. But, you know, when you think of the Greta Thunbergs of the world, you think of the, the kids uh, in the Florida high school after that shooting, um, you know, it, it seems like the more liberal you are, the more leftist you are, you feel like children have a more authentic voice because you have this, um, what C.S. Lewis called as chronological snobbery. You have this idea that every successive generation is somehow more evolved, more advanced than the others, which leads to the fact that we're putting our faith and trust and looking to young generations who are you know, who need to be discipled, need to be taught, who are, as you put it, frankly, dumb and immature. We're looking for them to be the, the, the voices of reason within our society, which is ridiculous. And then, you know, another term that C.S. Lewis coined is where we just have a lack of men with chests. And it's, yeah. it's so funny that we can look at like Lewis and Schaefer and a bunch of these Christian um, thinkers and you know, they, it seems like prophets now um, who were speaking of this problem long before it's manifested in the in the way that we see it now. Yet 
churches seem to not clue into this clarion call that we need to change the direction that things are working. Instead, we've kind of gone along with the tide of, uh, of culture here. So I want to turn, turn a corner a little bit here, Chris, because uh, I think this is an important discussion in light of what's happening around us culturally here at the Liberty Dispatch. We're, we're, we're rather distrusting of our elected officials and our unelected health bureaucrats. I think that's that's exceedingly clear from watching <laughs> a single episode of our of our podcast. Yeah. That, um, that that it's really buffoonery that runs our nation. But why are you skeptical and why are you distrusting? I mean, you're you're based on the Word of God. Haven't you read Romans thirteen? Yeah, well. Why be so skeptical? Well, I, I question anybody that isn't skeptical. I think it's like. Uh some sort of mental illness that you trust the government. I, when I get into it with people like this, I'm like, how are you defending politicians? I don't understand it. Um, like, like I don't trust any politician. But to me, politicians are the greatest salesmen. And, the great, you know, unfortunately, the greatest salesmen usually are not afraid to lie, right? So politicians are the best liars. They're just the most professional. And the longer they're there, the better they get at it. The more entrenched they get, the more leverage they get on people. And I think we've all gone through a process or an evolution of our, our beliefs in our trust in government and the experts versus three years ago. I know people my age, my, my peers, my cohorts, my friends and my family, we all used to trust, you know, our experts, our politicians to some degree, especially if they were on our team. And now the big difference is, like I've got some some good friends that were not highly skeptical. They weren't. They didn't know who Alex Jones was, and now they don't believe anything. In fact, they they buy into some of the most uh, you know far out there chemtrails, for example. They like to talk about chemtrails, and they're just now we're open, right? And so there's a great a great separation that's happened since the COVID panic. And it seems to be people that trust governments and people that don't. And I think that's a good thing in a lot of ways. I think our eyes have been opened. I think we probably were too too trusting, too supportive of these foreign wars. You know, I used to be, they, they would use our patriotism against us. They'd use the flag, they weaponize it. And like the Southern man in America is where they go, you know, to, to get their their uh, meat for the meat grinder, you know, this, to get their soldiers, and they appeal to that warrior class, which which we have in America and our and our young males, is particularly in the South, and they want to defend their homeland, defend their country, and they've used it for nefarious means. And I didn't used to think that. I used to scoff at the, um, you know, the idea that there was a, a military industrial complex, and that was kind of controlling what our foreign policy was, but I totally believe it now. If you look at, you know, what happened in Afghanistan, all the years, all the loss of human life and all the money that we poured in there and they just pull out and it didn't make a bit of difference. Not one bit of difference. The people that we were supposedly, you know, over overrunning and, and, uh, you know, putting out of power forever, they just immediately took power back. And so it just looks like a big scam that to me, it looked like, you know, Biden paying back, uh, his supporters, Raytheon and these defense contractors, because why else would you leave all those goods there? Like, like, 
you know, we're all mad about that, right? $30 billion worth of goods that the U.S. left there, and we're just shaking our heads. You know, why did this happen? But I say, why don't, you know, why don't they leave $30 billion worth of mattresses over there, and then they could buy more from me? That'd be good, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd, you know, <laughs> most mattress companies would support whoever the president was. Well, that's kind of what we're dealing with. They'd be way less angry over there if they could get a better night's sleep, right? Well, that's I mean, just true. A good, <laughs> a good, consistent sleep really does a lot to to help curb a sour attitude. Chris, <laughs> where um, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you on social media? How can they find your podcast, which I I heartily recommend? You get some pretty good guests on. Where can people go? Uh, it's thebasedpodcast.com. I'm also on Twitter, The Base Podcast, so you can find it there. We're on your normal uh, podcast sites. So yeah, we're uh, we're trying to trying to trying to figure out you know what guests to have on and what to talk about. And it seems to me, it seems like God wants me to talk about like what we're talking about right now, the things that as Christian men we know are under the surface. A lot of times we may not we feel it and we know why we feel it, but our pastors aren't really talking about it when we go to church. And so we just kind of talk about it with each other. So it's good to support each other with things like this. And, and I really support what you guys are doing up there of fighting your government because government, you know, they have a monopoly on, on violence and that's what you got going on. You guys let your government, I remember when you came down here, Andrew, and you showed me your, your, uh, the weapon you had in your car, it was a knife. The blade was about this long. And I kind of laughed at it. I said, that's your, that's your car. And he said, that's, that's the it. maximum I can have in my car. It's legally. the maximum length. And, uh, I think I probably showed you my knife that I keep in my truck. And then I showed you my, uh, you know, it was uh, a crocodile nine... Dundee kind of moment, right? Yeah, you pulled out a knife. You could do a lot. This is a knife. knife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, you know, I roll around and me and my friends, like we roll around loaded and I got, I know people they're packing, you know, and so I tell people, hey, you never know who's packing in South Dakota. That way, you got to be ready. You know, that's why I said we, we keep our doors locked in South Dakota because the criminals should know that there's probably a loaded gun on the other side of it. You know, that that's that's the way we got to run. We, we can't can't run scared, you know, and we need, you guys need to get get control of your government back. I don't know how you do it, but. You know, when they're force injection well, and stuff like that. Maybe what we all need, maybe what we all need is again more consistent good night sleeps to help us focus <laughs> and have the energy to fight properly. So, yeah, I want to recommend everyone to go check out the base podcast. If you are anywhere near South Dakota, you need to check out Comfort King. You got to get on one of those mattresses. It's worth the drive. Bring your pickup truck, and go. I can personally vouch. Chris is a solid dude, an ally exceedingly hospitable and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for your friendship and I'm thankful for you being a godly, excellent uh, business owner, um, taking seriously the culture war. And so Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the Liberty Dispatch. It's been good. Thank you. Andrew. God bless you, brother. Good to meet you, Matthew. I was grateful to do the interview with Chris. I'm actually looking forward to seeing him Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about this more early next week, but a number of us from Liberty Coalition Canada will be in Knoxville, Tennessee for the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, and Chris is going to be there as well. He's making the trip from South Dakota, so it'll be great to see him and touch base with him again um, and, and chat with him, so I'm thankful for 
the interview. Mike, thank you for joining me and filling in for Matt on the dispatch. For our audience, please like, share the show, subscribe, comment, send any comments and questions to info at libertycoalitioncanada.com and make sure in the subject bar you put mailbag or mailbag question. Matt and I are going to start having a mailbag segment where we answer these questions live on air. As always, please consider donating to Liberty Coalition Canada so that we can continue to bring you not just news and analysis like this, but the legal work that we're doing. You know, last week we talked about breaks in the Dr. Curtis Wall case and what we're doing there. And also in our advocacy work, there is a municipal election coming up in Ontario and we're doing some work there. So please consider how you might support us and donate to Liberty Coalition Canada. And as always, until next time, Galatians 5-1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.